Welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast, the podcast that helps you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. You've got this. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace the need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Welcome to episode 135 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. I have an exciting episode for you, or maybe you won't find it exciting. I get excited about it. But what it really is, is a very powerful episode. This topic is so important and it gets overlooked all the time in weight loss. What I'm talking about today is digging up old beliefs, finding those core beliefs about you, about your weight, about what weight loss looks like that maybe you've had since you were a kid. And what I'm going to do is show you where those come from and how they may not be serving you. They may not actually be getting you where you want to go in your own weight loss journey. And then we'll talk about how you might want to let go of them. So first, I thought I'd let you know what's going on in my life right now, because I think it's a good teaching point. So I'm downstairs recording the podcast. It's a Friday afternoon. My twin daughters are upstairs, each baking a different type of cookie that look delicious and makes the house smell delicious. And I think this is a really good teaching point because the question would be is how do I go upstairs and not eat all the cookies when they're sitting out? Because I guarantee they will be sitting out. They will not get put away. (laughs) Knowing my daughters, it will be lucky if some of the stuff is put away. The cookies will not be. And this is something I've learn to navigate, partly because they've been cooking more and more and they're actually getting good at it. It used to be easy because there's often mistakes made in the baking that made it not too palatable. But now they're they're actually really good bakers. And so adjusting what I think, and this comes to what today's topic is too, because if I hold a core belief that I can't stop myself from eating fresh cookies, which let's be honest, I think a lot of us have that core belief and I had it for a lot of my life then I'm going to go upstairs and immediately eat the cookies and then I'll have one and they'll taste good and then I'll have more because I have a belief that I can't stop eating the cookies. So I've really had to work on how I think about fresh baked goods that other people are baking around me and I think it's a really powerful skill to be in control over. But I essentially kind of think of them as they're just not for me. They smell great. I can enjoy the smell. I can enjoy the look of them but they're just not for me and I just don't want them. And that may sound difficult if you're at the beginning, but if you can come to that place where you actually believe you don't want them, like it's not like a lie to yourself saying, I don't want them, but you've worked through why you don't want them, why you are making the choice to not eat those fresh cookies anytime they appear, then it's something that can be done with peace where it's not like you're working and straining to not eat the cookies the kids baked, if that's your situation, similar to mine. But it's more you're just like, oh, yeah, there's cookies. And yeah, I'll probably have some food cravings. I'll probably contemplate eating a cookie at some point tonight, just because there's so many food cues that are going to be going around in the house. But they're just not for me. And I have good reasons why I don't want to eat them. The other thing I did is while I was up there before I came down to start recording this, 
is I just picked a bunch of rhubarb from our garden. And so I chopped it up and I got a low carb rhubarb crisp ready. So tonight after dinner, when I am wanting something a little bit sweet and everybody's eating cookies, my husband and I'll have a delicious, fantastic, yummy smelling dessert that does not feel deprived in any way that we enjoy. And so I think the thought stuff is really important. You don't want to just replace because if you just go, oh, you're going to have cookies and I might not be able to control myself around it. So therefore I'll make some low carb cookies that I feel better about. That's not great because there's still that core belief that you can't control yourself around cookies. What you want to do is work on the thoughts of, I just don't want those cookies. I'm the type of person that can be around freshly baked cookies and not really be bothered by them. Imagine that. That's a different belief, right? What I just said. I'm the type of person that can be around fresh baked cookies and just not be bothered. And that belief feels very different than I'm the type of person that can't stop themselves around freshly baked cookies. So finding those beliefs, so it's not just that you're replacing the old food with a lower carb substitute, but you've actually gotten okay with not eating the other food in some way. As I always talk about, you want to find the way of coming to terms with it that doesn't feel deprived, that doesn't feel like you're restricting. You'll notice when I'm talking about these cookies, I've never once said I can't eat the cookies and probably I will taste the cookies because the girls usually want me to just taste what they did, but I'm not going to eat them beyond that. And it's not that I can't, this is important. And we, I, if you haven't listened to it yet, the episode that I did on good food, bad food really ties into what I'm talking about right now. So I'm okay with not eating the cookies, but then I also can decide, you know what, it's the end of the week. It's been a busy week. It might be nice to have a little treat. And I have this fresh rhubarb that I need to use up. So I'm going to make it in a form that I can enjoy, that works with the way I eat, and that will be enjoyable in every aspect. So it's not that the rhubarb crisp replaces the cookies or as a substitute, or I think this is sometimes where we mess up too, where we try to find a substitute, but feel like it's a lower value substitute than the food we wish we could be eating. You'll notice the terminology that I'm using there is terminology that creates a fair bit of like deprivation and restricted feeling. Instead, it's choosing within the way I eat, within the food I do like to eat, what would I like to have for dessert? And what could I make with this rhubarb that would work for me is how I approached it. Anyways, just some kind of food for thought, love the pun, about things that are going on. And just to kind of let you peek behind the scenes in my own brain about how do I approach these day-to-day things, because you're not always in control of the food that comes into your life. I am not always in control of that. There are many times I get asked if the girls can bake something and I almost always drop my head in fatigue, but that's because of the messes, though they're getting so much better. But anybody who has kids who cook will know that. And my mom who is listening to this will laugh because as a child, I cooked a lot and I left gigantic messes for my parents all the time. Mom, I know. I recognize that. It's irony. All right, let's talk about beliefs. And the I'm talking about old beliefs. So these are beliefs that you may have carried with you since you were a child that may have happened just from something somebody said to you once when you were a kid and your brain was in a very concrete form of thinking 
and you just assumed it as a truth and have carried it with you for the rest of your life. Or maybe some of these are thoughts that you have from young adulthood based on the culture you were in in young adulthood, the things you're trying to do, the expectations you had for yourself. Maybe you took on some beliefs then. Maybe some of these beliefs are actually more like family culture beliefs. And what I mean by that is like they're things your parents believed and that they talked to you about and that were passed on down. And because they're passed on down again at a young age, you've just assumed them as beliefs and have kept them with you. What I want to pose to you is that some of these beliefs may be great and they may be super helpful in your life and that's fantastic. And if you can find those ones, great, celebrate them. Be like, yeah, like thank you for learning. Thank you to yourself for learning that belief at a young age and carrying it with you. That's great. However, what I know from working with a lot of people with weight is a lot of times there are negative beliefs that have carried with you through childhood, since young adulthood, teenage years, that are hurtful beliefs that actually may be painful, that may be actually holding you back in your weight loss and and probably have been this whole time. And if we don't look for them and we don't question them, then they stay as hard truths in your brain. And your brain will always assume they're true, even though they may not be at all. They may be completely untrue. They may not apply to you in your current life in any way, shape, or form. And it is possible that they never did apply to you. Depending on who said it to you and what age you were, you may have just assumed it as a truth, even though it never was. I have an example for my own personal life. I remember this clearly. I, Growing up, I had a friend who was very, very petite. I was always tall. I was like the tallest kid in the class. For a lot of my elementary school, I was the tallest kid except for one boy in the whole school. I had this, one of my best friends growing up was one of the smallest kids in the school. So there's a huge size difference in us. And we had gone to some hot springs together one Christmas holiday, I went with her family and there was a photo of us standing together in our house coats on the edge of the hot springs. And of course, I look giant beside her and she looked very small. And what I remember, I was probably maybe 11, I don't know exactly how old I was at this, is that she was telling me that her grandfather had looked at this photo and said something about, I can't remember the exact words, but it was something about she has such a pretty face it's too bad she's so big or something like that. And I remember like I'd never really considered anything about my body being too whatever at that point. I was like a fairly slim kid. I was just tall, but I was like, wait, I'm too big. And when I think about it, I carried that thought with me for a long time. I probably still have elements of it. I still, when I see myself in photos with a bunch of people, because I'm usually the tallest person in the photo, and structurally, like I'm large too, I always, oh, I'm too big. It's very easy for my brain to go there. And when I think about where did that thought come from? What is too big? And when did I decide to define it? Well, it was way back then. And it was in that moment. I remember being like, oh, I didn't know that about myself. And then I started worrying about it. And when I'd see photos or when I was with her, I'd worry that I was too big and maybe I should be really small and petite like she was, which of course was ridiculous because that was never, ever going to happen. And our size difference was not related to 
adiposity or anything like that. It just really was completely different body frames. So those are the type of beliefs that I want to talk to you about today and what I want you to think about for yourself. And this episode came up because we were talking in one of my stress eating SOS groups about body image and beliefs. And it came up for a few people about how what they think about their body now as an adult actually started back when they were kids, when people were commenting on their bodies. And it's so common, like this is not the first time this has come up when I've been working with people, but I think it really is a good place to do work. It's a good place to look at it and decide that you could change it. It's really empowering when you decide, I don't have to think I'm too big. I'm exactly the where I'm supposed to be right now. This is my body and it is the size it is supposed to be genetically. And I know that because it is, right? I was never meant to be a super petite, tiny person. It just wasn't what I was meant to be. And so this is how I was meant to be. And if you can start to change those beliefs to things like that, it can be so much more empowering. So I was thinking to divide these up into three different categories. One would be beliefs about you as an individual. The other would be beliefs about your weight or your diet history or your eating. And then the other set of beliefs would be just beliefs about what it means to lose weight, what dieting looks like. I think often those are beliefs that we have carried with us from a young age. I don't know if you guys can hear it outside, but there's it's thundering quite loud outside my window. So if it's picking up, just know that that's what you're hearing. So beliefs about you as an individual. So these would be like core identity beliefs is what I think about. And they might sound something like, I'm someone who blank. I'm someone who always or who never. Those are like core identity beliefs. And they might not be related to weight, but some of them might be helpful and some of them may actually be limiting. Like it might be like, I'm someone who is not good at math. Could be a core belief that you may have picked up at some point in elementary school when you had a hard patch at math and then you've believed it forward and it becomes like a self-fulfilling belief. I am the blank one, right? I'm the smart one. Or my example, I'm the big one (laughs) would be the belief that I took on back then. I am the sometimes the stupid one, right? Some of these core beliefs that we took on when we were kids may not sound nice when you say them to yourself. But when you're saying them to yourself, just know that even if they don't sound nice, they will sound true to you. And the only reason why they sound true is because you have practiced them for so long. You've had so many years of practicing these beliefs that they just sound like facts, like you're stating the news, but you're not. You're stating optional thoughts. It's just when they first came into your brain, your brain was very concrete and it just took them as absolute fact and has continued to say them back to you throughout your life. The beliefs about your weight might be, I'll always be chunky. I eat too much. These are things that somebody may have said to you, you're looking a little chunky or you're the chunky one back when you were in primary school and you're like, okay, I guess I'm the chunky one. Or somebody may have said, well, you really eat a lot of food. And that may have been a normal amount of food. And yet, because somebody said it at, a, at the right age, you may have internalized it as a truth. 
And then the beliefs about the dieting, this is interesting, is looking at what were you taught about losing weight at a young age? What did it look like? And everybody's experience is going to be different depending on how was it discussed in your family? Were people dieting in your family? Were you put on a diet at a young age, right? Like lots of people listening, I'm sure their parents well-meaningly had put them on a diet at a very young age. And of course, back then, in general, those diets were pretty restrictive and pretty like Weight Watchers, low-fat type stuff back then that may have created a lot of thoughts and behaviors around food that you then have carried forward. Like, how about this just for a belief that might not be helping you is I need to diet, right? Like, how many of you have carried that belief through your whole life? I need to diet. I need to lose weight. Those are some of the core beliefs I'm talking about that sound like you're stating the news. And yet when you look at it, how does that actually show up in your life? If you're constantly saying to yourself, I need to lose weight, how does that show up in your life? Does it actually result in you taking action to lose weight? Maybe sometimes it may, but other times it might not because that thought may not feel very good. The wording that I need to and the feeling that there's something wrong with you may actually show up in a way that doesn't make you feel good and makes you resist the concept of losing weight. The thought of I need to diet or I should be dieting, something like that. Again, if you look at it closely, it may have a lot of overlays of that would be really like I'm going to have to give up all the good stuff (laughs) that I like and have thoughts of how restrictive it's going to be to do that. But that might not actually help you actually do it. And this is what I really want you to look at today when you're listening to this is what beliefs do you have? And even if they sound factual, how do they show up in your life? Do they accomplish what you want for yourself right now? Or is it possible they hold you back? And the ones that you hold you back, can we let go of them? Can we actively work on letting go and not believing them and not engaging with them anymore. So the steps to this, the first step would be just noticing and asking yourself, spending a bit of time, like you might want to pause this podcast and go, what do I believe about myself, about my weight, about what weight loss should look like? Another belief about weight loss is how fast should it happen? That's often a belief we've had from a young age because we all got exposed to all the magazine articles and TV ads and stuff about rapid weight loss, right? And so we may have a thought that to do it properly, you got to do it fast. Also may have a belief about what, well, I think we all have these beliefs, but what a proper, and I'm using air quotes on that guys, proper body would look like, right? Like that ideal that may not actually be within your normal body's range. As a human, it may not be within your range. Like my example of thinking I need to to be pretty or whatever. I need to be this like little petite body shape, which was never in my range. No matter how much weight I lost or how active I was, I could never have created a petite body shape. So again, looking at these and noticing what thoughts are there. That's the first step. What is there? Second step, where did each of these thoughts come from? Do like what I did and be like, what's my earliest memory of thinking that about myself? What do I remember as a kid that taught me this? Who taught me this? And then really understand, because a lot of these come from sources outside of you. They may have been 
a well-meaning adult that just made an off-the-cuff remark that then you internalized and has been maybe causing harm since then, even though they never meant it that way. But because of what it means and the belief that it became for you, it may, may have been causing harm. So asking yourself and really understanding, where did these come from? How did I learn this? Was it from a magazine? Was it from TV? Was it a movie? I think there's lots of different places where we pick these beliefs up as a kid. Do you remember the ads, can't pinch an inch on me? This just came to me today when I was planning this podcast episode. And I can't remember what it was an ad for, but it was in the 80s, I think. And like the jingle was like, can't pinch an inch on me. And it would show them trying to pinch somebody's abdominal skin. And I remember being like, oh, shouldn't be able to pinch abdominal skin. Oh, geez, I can pinch some abdominal skin on me. Like things like that. And then I'm like, well, obviously I need to lose weight if the TV tells me I shouldn't be able to pinch an inch. So looking for those and understanding where did they come from? Step three, ask yourself, does this belief serve me now? Now, this is a tricky question because for some of these, your brain is going to be like, oh yeah, it's serving you. You need to be careful with this. If you were to think nice stuff about yourself or you might just not actually accomplish what you're working on or you might gain a bunch of weight. This is really common. That's a thought error. Thinking nice stuff about yourself does not make you gain weight. Thinking nice stuff about yourself does not make it harder to follow your food plan or to eat healthy, whatever you want, however you want to think about it. Thinking nice things about yourself actually makes it easier to make changes from a positive place that then become more sustainable, where you can actually keep the change going because it was born of positive change rather than born of dislike and force and struggle. The force and struggle that we try to lose weight through, it just never lasts. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that, but really it doesn't. I know our brains want to argue against that, but it doesn't last. So ask yourself if it serves you. And if your brain answers, oh yeah, I know it's serving me, then question that too. <laughs> Take some time and ask it, okay, how is it serving me? And is that actually what I want to be serving me? Like if your brain's like, no, telling yourself that you're always the chunky one serves you because it's true, then ask yourself, but do I actually want that to still be what's serving me now? Or maybe do I want something else to serve me? All thoughts are optional, guys. No matter how strongly held the belief is, it is always optional. That's really, really important. And then the fourth is the ones that are not serving you decide to disregard it. Now, I'm not saying this is going to be easy because your brain has had so much practice thinking these thoughts that they'll probably still come to you. And sometimes they're going to come where they're obvious. Sometimes they're going to come where they're not obvious. Totally fine. It's okay, guys. What you want to do though is anytime you notice them, actively choose to disregard it. I like to think of this as weeds. Uh, and so anytime you notice it, just pluck it out. You don't have to get fussed about it. Just be like, nope, that's a weed. I don't need to look at that. Nope, that's a weed. I don't need to look at that. And just like weeds, they come back. They've had a lot of time left. It's like my garden that was left without any weeding or any attempts at growing for the last year or two. And so the weeds have had a heyday and they're thriving out there. So every time I go out there, there's more weeds and that's okay. These beliefs have been there for so long. They've thrived in your brain. You haven't been weeding them because you didn't know that you could. Now you know you can't. So now you just start pulling them out every time you see them. 
doesn't have to be a big fuss. You don't have to get upset or feel that something's wrong because the belief is back. You're just like, oh, that's that old one. I don't, I don't like that anymore. So I pull it out. You can let it be simple like that. The more you practice not engaging in them, the less intense they come, the less you'll believe them. And then it starts to kind of pull them apart, basically, where they don't feel as true and you don't buy into them when they do come. And the other beliefs start to feel more true and you start to believe them more than you do the old beliefs and you get really empowered and you start to see change happening from being empowered. And it feels so much better than any change you've got from when you were attached to these old beliefs that were really disempowering. And then you start to build momentum, but it it takes time and it takes practice and it just, it doesn't take work but it takes awareness and it just takes constantly, patiently noticing the thoughts and choosing to disregard them. All right, guys, I have to get going because it's dinner time for my family. But I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I would love to hear what beliefs you find. I'm always so curious. I find it really interesting about what beliefs we bring forward. So either send me an email at info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca or you can find me at Dr. Siobhan Key on Facebook and Instagram, and you can DM me there and let me know what beliefs you find. I'd love to hear. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Have a fantastic week, guys. Bye-bye.